Thanks, Judy. Thanks so much. That's great. Am I on? Hello. You know. Yeah, is that it? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Judy. It's a fantastic piece of scripture and some wonderful depth and insight in the midst of that piece of scripture. And I'd like to explore it a little bit today because last week we began on our series in prayer when India uh, shared really well from Exodus 33 and 34. And we saw how God, uh, Moses spoke with God and God spoke with Moses. And God revealed his character to Moses when Moses said, show me your glory. And it was such a, that's a beautiful piece of scripture. If you haven't looked at that before, just the end of uh, Exodus 33 and then into the beginning of Exodus 34, just brilliant how God reveals himself. So we continue on today in our uh, series in prayer, particularly as the disciples go to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Prayer is something that um, we often struggle with, and uh, most human beings would struggle with prayer in various different ways. People have set formulas to prayer. You've got to do it this way, these steps, or those steps, or not those steps, and these ones. People have said that there's a right way and a wrong way. People have been intimidated by those who can get up in the wee hours of the morning, say at three o'clock in the morning, and pray for three hours straight. I don't know how they do that. And then some pray for hours on end. There are many different opinions on the so-called ways of prayer. Each of us come to prayer with inhibitions. We come to prayer with a sense of confidence. We come to prayer with not knowing and with strong opinions. With open hearts today, let us hear what God would say to us as we examine this time and we examine this scripture and see what it is that Jesus would say to us about our desires. And before we do that, I think it's apt that we would pray. Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this one God of three persons, this one who is involved with the very intimate parts of our lives, the very intimate parts of his creation, and yet stands outside of this vast universe, God, you are the great God, the great I am, the self-existent one, and we worship you today. As we look into your word, this word that you have given us for our growth, for, our, for drawing us closer to you, this word for teaching us and guiding us, drawing us into your presence, we pray to God that's exactly what would happen. You would draw us into your presence and that we would see new insights into your word and get that sense of God working in us and through us and God with us. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our hearts and change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we're up. Excellent. Well done, Matt. Uh, Josh, I mean. Freudian slip. 
Tim Keller says that prayer is the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our lives. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. That's quite a quote, isn't it? It's a brilliant quote. Comes out of his book, uh, Prayer, which I'm uh, working through at the moment. If you want a great book on prayer, that's Tim Keller's uh, book called Prayer. How do we cultivate this very important spiritual discipline of prayer? How do we cultivate this thing that is so important and yet sometimes so neglected? We look today at the fact that Jesus speaks about the desires, the desires of our heart, that he speaks directly into that place of our desires. What is it that you desire? What is, that it's, is it that it's the very heart of your being that you really, really desire? What you desire from the deepest parts of your heart, your longings and your aspirations. When we're faced with something that threatens our deepest desires, there is something that drives us, even if we don't believe in God, to pray. Even atheists will resort to uh, having a little prayer when they're pushed to their lowest. Now, many of you will have heard of a man called Richard Dawkins. And uh, Richard Dawkins is a, one of the best-known atheists of our time. And this is a true story. Richard Dawkins was um, on a BBC radio program. And he was talking with one of the ministers from St. Paul's Cathedral. And uh, he was very hostile, as he often is, towards Christians. And uh, he said that basically Christians are very unintelligent people. And he said, if you want to ask a Christian even to name the Gospels, they probably won't be able to tell you because that's how unintelligent they are. And uh, so the vicar said to him, Richard, you're a very erudite scientist, a very intelligent scientist, and Richard's nodding, as he does. We understand that your favourite book is The Origin of the Species by uh, Charles Darwin, and he nods, yes. Richard, can you name the full title of the book? And Dawkins says, I know, I, I know it's much longer title than The Origin of the Species. And the vicar says, uh, go ahead, go ahead, name it for me. And Richard Dawkins says, The Origin of the Species, um, um, uh, oh my God. Even an atheist calls on the name of God to help him with the name of a book he used to deny God. I thought that was quite good. There is a deep, deep connection with prayer and desire. And Jesus speaks directly into that. And so what does the spiritual discipline of prayer do, have to do with my desires? And there's three things I'd like to have a look at today out of this passage. Desires, revealing, Desires, remodeling, 
and desires resolving. I had a lot of trouble finding R words. <laughs> you could say expressing, you could say shaping, you could say uh, answering, those sorts of words as well. But I thought I'd try and get an R word. That's what they teach you in Bible college, that you try and get alliteration just for people to remember. So firstly, uh, desires revealing. And so we read in our passage today, and I hope you can read that, it's fairly little. Then Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and uh, say, friend, lend me these three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Other, other scriptures say, uh, the King James is your importunity. I have no idea what that word means. Because of your persistence or your perseverance or your boldness. But I love this rendition, your shameless audacity. <laughs> he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. There is something so amazing about Jesus' statement when he goes on and says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you, sh you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. There is something really quite brazen about what Jesus says. And the people in his hearing would have been quite shocked about it. They are open, slather, unrestricted, no conditions, unconditional uh, uh, invitation. Jesus invites us into this place. Basically, he's saying that all of our desires bring them to God in prayer. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't come to God with that because it would be so self-centered or it would be rude or it would be, it would be uh, selfish. It would be all of those sorts of things. And we give excuses why we don't come to God like that. Take Jesus at his word in this amazing open-ended invitation. Not only is this amazing, he's also giving us a way in which we come to God in our posture of how we come to God. There's that, this man. He comes to this guy at midnight or in the, in the, in the night. You know what it's like, I, I hope. Recently, I had a, a guy come to my door at four o'clock in the morning. Bang, 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 bang on the door. Sadly, he's in a mental health institution now. But he wanted money. And he thought that he could come in and have a chat. Yeah, no. What's it like when someone comes in the middle of the night? Hey, buddy, what do you want? I need some bread. Why do you want some bread? I've had a mate come and I haven't got any bread and I can't give him to Vegemite and toast in the morning. I need some bread. He said, can't you go to the servo at least? They'll probably have some bread. And he persisted in his asking. And it wasn't because of his friendship that he was given bread, but because of his shameless audacity. The man was shameless in asking. If you want to ask, what should your posture in prayer be, toward prayer be? How should you approach God with your deepest desires? Come with shameless audacity. 
When I looked at this, it was the first time it really sunk into my heart. In, in my 38 years of being a Christian and walking through the scriptures and looking at this, I went, wow, look at that. God says your posture in prayer toward me is to be by shameless audacity. The Greek word used here means shameless, persistent, unembarrassed, boldness bordering on rudeness. And Jesus said that's our posture in prayer. Surely there's some kind of need for reverence and restraint and, and uh, when we come to God. Jesus says, if you understand the Christian faith, this is how you approach God. <laughs> What's the one relationship in life that we can mirror this sorts of uh, place where shameless audacity can be used? I, sorry? I think even more... It's a child and a parent. When the little three-year-old boy comes in to his daddy and says, and daddy's busy reading the newspaper, Daddy? 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 And daddy's not listening, and so the child climbs up on daddy's lap and he grabs him by the face and he says, Daddy! What? This shameless audacity for a child to get up on the, on the lap of his father and grab him by the face and say, Daddy, listen to me. <laughs> That's the sort of relationship in our lives that this applies to. The moment we become a Christian, instantaneously, we are no longer orphans, would we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. We even sung about it in one of the, the songs, and thanks so much for the leading this morning. It was great this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Jesus says, if you want to know what a Christian's posture in prayer ought to be, hear this, that we have to have this shameless audacity. Why? Because we are adopted sons and daughters of God. For it says in Romans, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So when we receive Christ into our life, when we become a Christian, instantly, instantly we become sons and daughters of God, adopted into his family, into that place where we can climb up on his lap and we can get in his face and say, Daddy, listen, shameless audacity. If this adoption is true, it has to change the way we pray. It has to. We don't, bow, we don't pray anymore like bowing before a wicked boss or a magistrate. We come before our Father. What does your prayer life look like? Is it like a three-year-old coming to the Father with total freedom, knowing his immense love for you? 
This is how a Christian's relationship with God is like. The free revealing of our desires. Second thing we're looking at is desires remodeling or shaping. The disciples say, Jesus, would you teach us the way John taught his disciples? And Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Jesus says, our Father, or just Father. In Matthew chapter 6, where it talks uh, the Lord's Prayer, it says, our Father. Know that when we come to God with our bare hearts, with who we are, totally vulnerable, totally open show, with freedom and in presenting our desires, as our words are presented to him, as our desires are presented to him, he shapes and forms and changes our desires. The disciples were saying our prayers are all over the shop. We're struggling to be able to pray. We don't know how to pray. We know the religious bits. We know the religious form that we had to do. We know all of those things, but it's empty and meaningless. We have disordered desires. Would you shape and form our discipline, our desires? Would you discipline those desires completely? Show us how to desire rightly. But doesn't freedom mean... If we're free in our Western community, if we're free, you can't tell us what to do. We have freedom to be ourselves. We shouldn't be formed or shaped. We can shape ourselves, thanks very much. If we mean that, our desires aren't free. They're subject to ourselves. When we think about our desires, we understand that they come from how deep or how shallow that we are. There are a number of articles that we can discuss today, but we just don't have time about the depth of our being and where the depth of our being comes from and where all of our love and contentedness and joys and sorrows, where they all come from, not just from an evolutionary process, but they come from different ways. They come from life experience. They come from committed relationship. They come from uh, walking through, through life itself When we think of a baby, we know that a baby isn't a deep, it hasn't worked into that depth because they're just interested in survival, being able to feed and eat and sleep and that sounds really nice, doesn't it? Yeah. After just coming off holidays, our first week was just eat and sleep and walk and eat and sleep and it was lovely. As we grow though, our depth hopefully grows. And it's cultivated. Our depth is cultivated. Hopefully, as we compare a baby having a a sense of shallow depth, an older person, we would hope that they have a deeper depth because over time, they have cultivated the depth of their life according to the quality of the commitments they have made. For our desires come out of our depth. The people we admire the most are grounded in their deepest desires, aren't they? They're grounded in that sense that they have cultivated their desires and they have let, they have let, um, learned 
to surpass them. They have learned to desire the deeper and truer things because they've cultivated their desires. If we only look at the impulsive desires, needing this new fad, needing this all of the time. I know people who, uh, I remember my grandfather, he was like that. Whenever KTEL came on, he had to ring up and order it. He had this compulsion to do it. KTEL was junk. But, sorry young people, you don't know what KTEL is. Um, but there is that sense in which some people only have impulsive desires, wanting everything. Maybe it's because we don't know what we ought to be desiring at a deeper level. We don't have right desires, so we try to fill it up with impulsive desires, with impulsive filling it all up. Sometimes we desire the things that will destroy us in the end, those temporary things, those things that only last a little bit, those things that aren't deep but only satisfy a little need now and again, but yet we go back to the, the uh, emptiness of our heart. The impulsive desires come out of emptiness, not out of depth. Our desires must be remodeled, must be shaped, must be molded and focused so that we learn to desire something that is deeper. And this is Jesus', is Jesus mold, that as desires begin to look like this prayer, our Father. And there's a few things I just want to draw out of that little prayer. We can't go into the Lord's Prayer fully. We don't have time. Firstly, with the desire of joy that goes beyond ourselves, we see. Our Father, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. It says that we are not the centre of the universe, this prayer. We are not the centre of our being. He is inviting us into his kingdom into that place where we acknowledge him as God. We acknowledge him as the king. Where there is the greatest fulfillment in him is taking our focus of self, freeing ourselves of ourselves and allowing him to take control. There is the greatest joy. There is the greatest fulfillment that God is God in our lives. We are not God. Secondly, it remodels our desires to have gratitude against dissatisfaction. Give us this day our daily bread. And when we come to God with this prayer, with the very depths and sincerity of our heart, give us today our daily bread. When those things are presented to us, whether it's food on a plate or whatever, we will look at that and we will say, God, thank you. Thank you for your provision. If we come out of the shallowness of our heart when it's presented to us, we would say, is that all I get? If you go on a cruise, you'll know that some people are like that. Even though they're like this, they keep on going more and more and more because they're dissatisfied because of a shallowness, I think. If we are so intent and sincere about God, give us today our daily bread, whatever is presented to us, we will be so gracious and, 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 and thankful for what he has given, not dissatisfied for what we didn't get. Desires that come from dissatisfaction and discontentment are being replaced by desires that come from gratitude and amazement. As we pray that prayer, it is shaping our desires and our gratitude over our dissatisfaction. 
We also see it remodels us to desire humility over self-importance and self-justification. For it says, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. We are confessing our frailties. We're confessing our wrongs. We are confessing our shortcomings. And we offer forgiveness to others because we know we need it. And we are weak and we are asking God to protect us. We need God in our lives. We need the forgiveness. We need that cleansing and we need to give it away. We are embracing our own humanness, laying aside all of our self-centeredness, all of our self-satisfaction, all of our self-righteousness, and we're learning to desire humility that heals our relationships, that heals us. Bring your desires to God as they are. And as we centre ourselves more and more on what Jesus teaches us, not on ourselves but on God, as we bring our desires to God, He will remodel us. He will remodel our desires. He will remodel our self-centeredness and our, and our big sense of self and ego. And it will be replaced by God-centeredness which brings us the greatest joy and fulfilment. And finally, desires resolving. Firstly, desires revealing, desires remodeling, desires resolving or answered desires. How do I know that in prayer my desires will be fulfilled? Jesus answers with another story. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, Will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If, you, if your son asks for a fish and you give him a snake, you wouldn't give him a snake. Conversely, if a son asks you for a snake... Would you give him the snake? No, you wouldn't give him the snake because you know best what's better food for him to eat. We know that in the asking there is the request for food. But the father will give that which is best. If you want to know your desires, uh, hey, you know, desires will be resolved in prayer, it's because if you had a child and he came asking, you wouldn't give him something harmful. How much more? Jesus saying, you being evil. Jesus doesn't, cut, doesn't fluff it up. He isn't the master of the 10 steps uh, self-confidence uh, program. He, he states it exactly as we are. We are not inherently good. Because the Bible tells us the heart of man is wicked above all things. And Jesus cuts to the chase. He says, how then are you being evil? Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus says, even if evil people know how to do that, God knows much more. The person to whom we pray is a loving father. He's holy. He is the one of the king. He has the kingdom. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's concerned with our wholeness, our provision, 
our best. Do you know there's a father in heaven who's so interested that he desires your best? Do you know that God desires your best? God is so interested in you that he wants to pour out that which is best for you. Even if we ask for the wrong thing, he gives us what is better. What about then when we have crushing disappointments? What about when we ask for something that which is good and it doesn't happen? What about when we ask God to heal Josh and get him to walk out of that wheelchair and it hasn't happened yet? What happens when we ask that, the, that this marriage won't, won't fall a bits, but it does? What happens when we ask that that person who has cancer is healed and doesn't die, and they do? These crushing disappointments of unanswered prayer, it's something that good that we've asked for. Why? Why? Why have my wayward kids not come home? You know, I have one answer that's most common that I say to myself most often, I don't know. But I do know that God does not ignore us. He's up to something. And what is he up to? Love. If I could glance into the Garden of Gethsemane, if I could look into that garden when Jesus was pouring out his heart in prayer to God so much so that he was sweating blood. If I could look into that garden and hear him crying out with shameless audacity, Father, if there is any way that this cup could pass from me. Three times he, answered, he asked this question. If there's any way that this cup could pass from me, Lord God, let it be. What does he say? Yet not my will, but your will be done. He asks in only a way that a son could ask a father, with shameless audacity. And this loving father, this one who loved his son so much, he loves his son so much, even at his request says, son, if I take this cup from you, this world would not be saved, it would mean death. And the reason why Jesus' prayer went unanswered in the garden was that the Father was up to something. And what was that something? That something was love. The Father was up to something in love for us. If God was faithful to us, even though it meant Jesus' own suffering, then this is a God who can be trusted even though it seems strange and puzzling and disappointing and crushing. This is the God to whom we can lift up our desires, even our own Gethsemanes. God is up to something for you, and that something is love. If God is for us, who could be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What he says is your actual desire is me. What is the greatest desire of our lives 
is him. Our Father, holy is your name. Ask and you shall receive. And I will pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. That even in the disappointments, I will be with you. Even in the crushing despair, I will uphold you. Even in the wheelchairs, even in the cancer wards, even in uh, the difficult places, in the broken marriages, in the wayward kids, I will be with you because you can trust me because I am the loving Father. This is the greatest desire of our hearts and the greatest fulfilment and the greatest joy is having the Father through the Holy Spirit, through his Son. What a joy. This morning is a day that we talk about prayer. Shortly I will pray. And as the team come up, and the team can come up now if you'd like, I'm going to ask, if you have a desire and a need of prayer, we're going to pray for you today. It's a time for shameless audacity. Shameless audacity to come to your God and say, God, my Father, Daddy, I come to you with my deepest desires. Would you fill me with yourself? Let's pray. Oh, Father, as we look at this word today, we are challenged. We are challenged with this call and posture of shameless audacity to come with you, even if it borders on rudeness, Why? Because we are your children and you are our daddy. You are the one who allows us to crawl up on your lap. You are the one who allows us to grab you by the face and say, Daddy, I have this deepest need in my life. And you are the one who gives us the Holy Spirit. You give us yourself. We open our hearts to you today to receive all that you have for us. We reveal and express our desires toward you. Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you remodel our desires and deepen us and dig the well of our hearts? And Would you answer our desires by the giving of the Holy Spirit? We lay ourselves before you, God, in vulnerability, in humility, and we say, please, do with us what you want. In Jesus' name, amen.